Ben Jawalski, what's going on? I am in Austin, Texas, and I'm pretty excited about it. You look like you're in a Mexican prison. Are you sure you made it to Austin? I'm in an Austin. Well, actually, it's a good thing I'm not in a Mexican prison. I just flew from Mexico. But no, I'm I'm in Austin, Texas. And within 10 minutes of landing in Austin, Texas, I saw like three ice cream places, two barbecue places, pickleball. What else did I see? I don't know. It just seems like paradise. I'm in. I like it. <laughs> How was Mexico? Good? Mexico was great. Mexico was awesome. Uh, I was there for a business conference. Several people were were talking about podcasting. I skipped all of those all of those talks. Yeah, why would you want to know anything about that? Yeah, I just skipped them because uh, you know we just we know it all. Obviously, our soothing voices are the only reason people listen to this. But uh, how are you today? I'm good, man. It's early. But I'm good. Uh, I appreciate the fact you got an Airbnb in Austin that has the worst lighting that's ever been created. Was that by design? Like, could you guys give me a basement that has like one light bulb in it? It'd be perfect. Uh, well, you're the one who wants to record this podcast before the sun has risen. Yeah, well, that's because last time we recorded this, the sun was in my eyes the whole time. Uh, yeah, well, let's jump in. So I got uh, I had a bunch of stuff going on, dude. So uh, I raised some money for battle cancer. That was pretty cool. Excellent. A uh, thousand bucks. Actually, I sold uh, some socks. I had a company reach out to me. Gosh, it have been beginning of the year. And um, they're like, hey, we're, we're doing the socks. We would like to use the name Scale and Bales just prior to our podcast, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, we're also doing this cancer thing. Would you be interested in putting your name on these pink socks? And we're going to donate all the proceeds to cancer. And I didn't, I didn't give it a second thought. I got to be honest. I'm just like, yeah, sure. You know, just all I told them at the time is like, you're welcome to use my name. I won't take any profits on the cancer one. Just sell whatever you can sell. Let's give it away to charity. And I didn't give it a second thought because usually those things don't go very well. You know, you raise a couple hundred bucks. It's like, you know, I was going to let them handle it. And the right. dude reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I got a check for a thousand bucks for you. Where you want it to go? <laughs> and nice. I'm like, send it to me. I got a charity to send it to because uh, Scott Brits, who's a, a buddy of mine that uh, is runs battle cancer. Um, just does terrific work. They've raised like, I want to say it's close to half a million dollars this year for cancer research and for their, for cancer charities and causes. Awesome. And what's really cool about them is they're like, they're really ingrained in the CrossFit community. You know, they actually, they help CrossFitters in the boxes. They get them back to working out. So for me, like, that's the cool part. This isn't just, Hey, we're donating money to cancer research. You don't know where it's going. Like they can actually tell you that they've helped people increase their back squats, their deadlifts their push presses. Like they actually track the metrics they're helping people with. So it's like, you know, it's really fitness. It isn't just, Hey, we're going to donate money toward cancer. So I, I think that's Excellent. really, really cool. Um, in November, which is why it was kind of cool to do it this month. They've got gems doing this 1.8 million calorie challenge and, um, you know, helping raise money for this. And they have, um, you know, gems all over the world doing it. So it's cool stuff. So I was glad to give them money. And, uh, if anybody wants to donate to battle cancer, go hit them up. There's a link in, I think there's a link in my bio. If there isn't, I'll drop one in there. Um, but they're sponsored by CrossFit and they're easy to find. So excellent. Look, and look you them up. link it, link it in your Instagram bio. Yeah. 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 I'll cool. drop one in there for Scott. Uh, and then I guess before we get started, let's talk about our sponsor. You can, they saved my bacon this week twice, including in your very horrible wide prep open wide that we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh my God. So, uh, so two things, they have this new strawberry banana edge fuel to go, which are the little squeezies. I brought one for everyone to see if you're watching it on YouTube. Mm, it looks Dude, these so things delicious. Are, these things are clutch. I took one uh, two days ago. I did a three mile run. Uh, I just, it's like one of those days where I'm like, I don't want to program anything. I'm just going to put my shoes on, grab some headphones and go, you know, and save my bacon. The run wasn't great, but it wasn't for lack of energy. I can tell you that. And uh, I love them. They're like 70 calories if you care about calories and super easy to digest and they're small and it's 15 grams of grams of super starch no sugar i'm excited to try them good Hopefully man there's we, a big old package waiting for me <laughs> you got to get home and then yesterday prior to that wad that we're about to talk about uh here's a great combination for you so salted peanut butter energy bar 160 calories in case you care i paired this though 
with a latte that I made on my new espresso machine. And uh, cause I'm fancy and yeah, it was a you. great combination of caffeine and uh, energy from the UCAN that pushed me through that 18 minute workout, which didn't take me 18 minutes, but uh, certainly got me fired up for it. So big UCAN fan, check them out at UCAN.co and use our code scale S C A L E and save 20%. You will not regret it. I guarantee you. Speaking of you, Ken, aren't we going to be hanging out with him a little bit here? We are. We'll Austin? be at Rogue Fitness, or I'll be meeting you down there Friday, and um, I have a call with them actually uh, tomorrow. By the way, to cool. set up our set up our meet and greet. So we'll do a couple of meet and greets at the UCAN booth. Uh, maybe do some recording there if they have the space, and uh, get a chance to meet all you crazy people. So if you happen to be at Rogue, shoot us a DM and uh say hi to us we'll also be working out not that it's we're featured there we're just going to be there at crossfit texas on friday and saturday uh i think i'm going at 8 30 a.m and 8 a.m respectively i will definitely be there on friday okay. <laughs> you're not wussing out on saturday no i don't care how much you're out friday night you're working out buddy someone invited me to apparently a crazy halloween party on friday night and i'm it's going to be exciting. Uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to be, but allegedly I'll be there on Saturday, but I'm going to put a big asterisk. Maybe I'll be there in spirit. Shave your head and go as a young John Woolley. (laughs) Actually, I am getting my haircut today. Um, yeah, I booked a haircut and it's the first actual haircut appointment I've had in years and years and years. So I normally just shave it myself, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll get a mohawk or something. Make it happen, dude. Well, I'm ex- I'm excited to see everybody. If you're in town and you don't want to wait for John, when do you get here? Thursday? Thir- late Thursday night. Like late Thursday night. night. Yeah, yeah, I'm so. here in Austin looking for ice cream and barbecue and maybe a gym or two. Hit me up. Maybe some mountain biking. I don't know. I found literally last night I found a place that had barbecue and pickleball in the same spot. It was incredible. It was a brewery pickleball and barbecue. And I was like, I'm going to quit everything and open one of these in Denver. That's a good, uh, good triplet of activities. It was all they needed was ice cream and it would have been a quadfecta. Well, these workouts on Friday and Saturday are led by Adam Klink, who was one of the head coaches at CrossFit Krypton and was with the Smith brothers and Alec. Yeah. He's a total beast. And he actually, he's the one, if you guys, most of you, I'm sure follow CrossFit very closely. He's the first one to do the 500 pound back squat, the sub five minute mile. And what was it? 50 pull-ups in the same day, something like that. For the, I think that was the, the oh, combo. I didn't, I didn't even know about the pull-up part. Um, I know yeah, my buddy, my buddy, Jake Boley, who may know Adam uh, is also, he's trying to do something similar. He's trying to do, sub five minute mile, 500 pound back squat. And I think 600 pound deadlift or 500, it might just be 500 pound deadlift. I don't know, but anyway, it's incredible. He's an athlete. He's leading the class. I'll be there. Um, if you want to see me suffer alongside of my bald, taller friend, John <laughs> Woolley, come hang out Friday and, and Saturday. Uh, Alex Smith will be there. He's going to be coaching too. So, uh, I'll have, I'll have all my podcast co-hosts there, except for Nikki. She's the only one listening out on this trip. All so. I'm going to do is be like, hey, Alec, do you remember back in 2000 and do you remember back in 2009 where I may or may not have beat you in a local competition that I think you dropped out of on the second day right. just because you were bored? <laughs> All I remember <laughs> is going back to leaderboard and be like, hey, hey, look, I made the final and he didn't. And then the next year, I think he was dominating yeah, along with his brother, Ben. We'll see how that goes for you. I I messaged him yesterday and I'm like, don't make me puke and make sure you wear a shirt because my ego can't handle all those abs. That's I uh, just like to live in the past. I'm a big, I'm a big, if I did anything remotely cool in the past, I like embellishing it and then just, just stay in there, you know? (laughs) Well, I did nothing impressive in my past, so I'm only living in the future. There you go. Speaking of past, let's talk about that workout yesterday. So we had said on the last podcast, we'd break down some workouts and I had a few sent to me by, uh, fans, but I wanted to break down at least one of these wide prep open workouts. So people can kind of get a sense of what it looks like. Uh, you can still sign up, by the way. It's not too late. It's 12 bucks to do it, which is really cool. And all the money goes to charity. Have you picked a charity yet, by the way? 
No, I was going to do Steve's Club, but then they changed their name. So as long as I remember what their name is, I'm probably going to give it to the charity formerly. What is it? Forging, Forging Youth, Youth Resilience. Resilience. So, I, when, when we're done here, I'm going to connect you on an email to um, the head of that charity. How about awesome. that? And so awesome. we'll get it done. Uh, anyways, 12 bucks money will go to them. Very, very cool charity. We love them to death. They do great work with kids and you, just, you, know, you know, who's going to argue about helping kids. Right. Um, but so here was workout. So the RX, it's an 18 minute time cap. The RX was 48 double unders, uh, 15 calorie row for the men, 12 calorie row for the women. And then you do six dumbbells, alternating dumbbell snatches, so six total, but alternating at 50 pounds for the men, 35 pounds for the women. And they're hang dumbbell snatches, correct? No. Oh, they aren't? They are not. It didn't I swear when were. I filmed that. It, it better not be because I'm going to have to go redo this because I can knock off some serious time if they're hangs. I'm pretty sure they're hangs. Uh, no, I'm pretty confident they're not. But All now that. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me pull it up and tell you what your website says and see if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I absolutely could be wrong. I, I just filmed the videos two weeks ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. But I could have sworn it was alternating hang dumbbell snatches. That could have been for the scale division, though. I'm, I'm hold on. No. Oh, look at that. They are hang snatches. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, um, it literally says alt hang dumbbell snatch. I know I missed it. Now I have to redo it. Someone didn't watch the video either. Oh no. Of course not. Well, I'll redo it today then. That's a bummer because I my problem with signing up for your open is I now don't have enough days to get them done in because we're traveling. Oh no. So I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get all five workouts done. So I'll have to redo that one. So that's a bummer. Uh my time was still good, but let's talk about the scale. All right. So yeah. they're hang dumbbell snatches. I'm not sure I'll knock a ton of time off, but I would absolutely knock some time off. Oh, yeah. So the scale that you guys had, and I have a beef with your scale, was 75 double unders, 15 calorie row for the men, 12 calorie row for the women. And then the weight scale was 35, 25. So what was interesting to me, I guess I had two questions about how you guys decided to scale this. So per this again, this is John Woolley interpretation uh, sure. of you know, scaling double unders to single. I don't think 48 dubs to 75 singles is a one-to-one scale. I think it takes you longer to do 75 singles than 48 dubs significantly longer, actually. Yeah. I mean, so the bottom line is when scaling for competition, like, you know, this, like even in the open, are the, is it the same stimulus from RX to scaled? No, like like, you know, because you've done, you what, placed second in the world? Not first, but second in the world in uh, the scale division a few years ago. Yep. Those times that you were posting were different time domains than the RX division in terms of like the, yeah, I guess I keep saying stimulus, but that's the right word. Um, so, yes, it's it's different, but that's because, especially for a competition, that's just how CJ programmed it. I didn't write these workouts. Our head coach did. Uh, I'm but blaming CJ. I'm trying to figure out why you have such a time difference between the single unders and the double unders. <laughs> Damn it, CJ. Figure this out. I, I, look, think I don't think it's a big deal. It's just like I was just trying to figure out the stimulus. Like 75, 48 double unders is less than 30 seconds. Like it's quick whereas 75 single unders was taking me closer to 40 sure well if we look at if we look at 48 double unders done by an athlete who rx's double unders easily is very easy i'd say 48 double unders by the general population of people who are trying to do double unders isn't going to be as easy so i think if you factor in the the trip factor of the 48 when compared with the less trip of the, of the 75 singles, I think you'd actually be kind of close. If you just went to an average gym and said, Hey, I'm just going to take this side of the class and I want you to try to do 75 single unders. And I want you to take this side of the class and it's 48 double unders. Yeah. You're going to have some people who just crush the double unders, 
But as a general whole, there's going to be a lot of people who do 10 trip, 10 trip, 10. And then the person, someone over here can do 75 unbroken single unders. I think they're actually kind of similar. Obviously, there's way more jumping in the single unders. But the people doing the double unders have to jump higher. I don't know. Well, look, maybe the discussion then is, is when do you decide to scale this one? Like when I looked at it and said, all right, you know, the, it's not a one-to-one. So to your point, if you're doing, if the reason you did 75 is because it's 10 trip, 10 trip, 10 trip, you want the time to be the same. Maybe people shouldn't be RXing unless you can do 50 to, for this wide, 50 double unders unbroken. Yeah. A lot of rounds. Yeah. I mean, 50 unbroken, I think might be a little bit of a high threshold. Uh, we did challenge people in this, like when we were trying to get people inside of our Watt Prep Masters group, um, you know, the people who've been following our programming, the people who've been practicing our skills that we write, coming to our, our seminars online, um, that group, we kind of encouraged them like, hey, stretch, stretch it a little bit, especially if your goal is to RX the open, the actual CrossFit open in February and March, we encourage them to try to RX these workouts because that's a lot of times what people need if they want to start RXing things is they need a little push out of the nest. Well, sure. Um, I, I get yeah. that. I'm just trying to figure out like if I were an athlete looking at this going, how do I scale it? You know, or, or where is the scale? If all I had was the RX to go off of, I'm not sure I would have scaled it to 75 single unders. If that right. Makes, I mean, like, I think most gems would tell you, you, do, you double it up. So instead of if 48, we'll just call it 50 freezy math. So if you're doing 50 double unders, you're going to do a hundred singles. That's generally the rule of thumb that I see. Is that not what you think most people are going off of? Well, a lot of people do that just because it's easy and lazy. A lot of people will do that. Uh, but weren't you, I mean, you're saying that the single unders take a lot, lot more time, right? Yeah. So you, you clearly don't like the two to one scale. No, not, not for a workout for time. I mean, I, yeah. you know, the so, point of this was an 18 minute time cap. I want the people doing single unders to have a similar stimulus in time that it takes to get it done. So I, right. 75 singles is the starting point. I would have raised the double unders to a more, like probably to a hundred. I think a hundred to 75 is far more accurate for people that can do double unders. A hundred you know? double unders. And then the scale to 75 singles. Mm-hmm. I can do those in about the same amount of time, give or take. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think single unders don't require nearly as much of a jump. So they're technically less taxing on your muscles than a double under would be in theory. But again, what in, especially in competition, like the, the stimulus of, and we're not just looking at one workout, we're looking at the all of the workouts. So sure. while this might be, Technically, for some people, and again, I would I would argue a lot of people can still do, like a lot of people I know, like my entire family, like my aunts and uncles, like they're doing those single unders faster than they're ever going to get those double unders done, um, which means they probably should scale it. But there's some people who are like, hey, I want to, I really want to take a crack at at RX in this workout. The load's not heavy. They can row. The double unders are the limiting factor. They might trip a few times and hey, they can do it. And they post a score in the RX division and they're happy about that. Um, the, the stimulus for this workout is also in conjunction with all the other workouts. So we have four more workouts that have been posted, right? So while this one for some scaled people might be longer scaled than it is, um, than it is RX, there's going to be a few others that aren't nearly as bad. You know, so it's, it's this give and take. It's, uh, I think again, like, especially when you're looking at competition, we're writing these as a standard to compare yourself to people who are in your division. So the scale division is not competing at all with the RX division. They're two totally different workouts. I mean, you de- you've definitely seen this in the open, right? Like even the, I honestly think the freaking wall walk scale and the scale division was like harder than the RX one for at least for a little while there um, in, in last year's open. There's always a couple where it's like, hey, the scaled workout is definitely a very different workout than the RX. Yeah. And I would just say that's probably what we got here. Well, I get all that. I guess what I'm trying to get people, what I want us to figure out here isn't 
the long lens of the eyes you have as the owner of wide prep and what the wide prep open looks like. It's like, if you were presented with this single workout and had to choose the scale and the RX yeah. is 48 dubs okay. and then six, 12, 24, 48 here's, hang dumbbells here's what I would do. at 50 pounds or 35 pounds. Where would you scale it? Yeah. So if I was coming into the gym for this workout and I'm like, all right, here's the RX. Ouch. I can't do that. Um, I can't hit those double unders and I need to scale it. First, obviously, what am I going to ask? What's your goal? You know, like I ask everybody, I love scaling. Like I always mention, reps, range of motion. Um, and for double unders, those two things work well. Um, and then obviously load, but there's not much of a load with double unders. So for someone who, let's say the example is like, they can do like 10 and they trip and then five and trip and four trip and then 15 and trip. It's kind of inconsistent. If it looks like the volume of double unders is a little high for you, I would still have the double unders. I would just maybe have the reps. So rather than 48 double unders, you change it to drum roll, quick math, 24, um, sink or 24 double unders. So like you can take each round, take the double unders, cut them in half. That's a great scale because you're still getting the stimulus of practicing your double unders, but you're not necessarily just beating your head against the brick wall um, and trying to do more than is within your, your capacity. Another thing that we can do, and I'm a huge proponent of this, and actually in, down in Mexico, I worked out at a Underground CrossFit, I think is what it was called. And I, I, I saw them program this, and I was like, this is a great scale. They did a great job. Was there were double unders programmed, and for some people who were developing double unders, uh, and they also ran out of jump ropes. Uh, they were like, "Hey, if you can't do double unders with the rope, just put your rope down and let's do penguin claps." So forty-eight penguin claps, like forty-eight double under stimulating movements. That isn't technically a double under. So that's where you jump up and you clap your hips twice to simulate the spin of the rope, and that forces you to jump a little bit higher than you would the single under. Um, it's actually really good practice for the coordination of the double under. So that's another potential scale that you could add. Um, those are the two things I would do is maybe reduce the reps, um, take away the rope. That's a creative way that we could practice the double unders or heck, if you wanted to, you can, it's your, the world is your oyster oyster. Jeez. And then if you're, if you're <laughs> like, you can make it up, you can do what you want. You can do a combination of both. You could start with, Hey, for this set, I'm going to do double unders. And then for the next set, I'm going to do single unders. And then for this set, I'll do double unders. The next set, I'll do single unders. So you could go back and forth and split it up and do half of the workout as single unders, half the workout as double unders. I think there's, there's a bunch of ways to, to skin this cat, but those are just a few that I would suggest. Yeah. The only one I would add, I like the penguin clap suggestion and the, and the having the dubs, because the thing that keeps the, the, the feeling of the stimulus of what you're trying to accomplish was just to finish this workout for time. It isn't, a, this isn't a skills practice workout. It's a, Hey, we want to get it done and, you know, kind of as fast as possible. Um, the only other thing I would add, and I've seen this done often in classes is they'll say, okay, you get X amount of time to do as many dubs as you can yeah. at the top of each round. And so you yep. could do like for this one where it's 48 dubs, maybe set the time at one minute because you should yep. easily be able to get 48 in a minute. So don't spend more than 60 seconds doing dubs. Whatever you get is what you get. Yep. You know, I love, I, I love that one too. That's a, it's a great point. I forgot about that one. That's one that uh, back in the day when I was leading a lot of classes, that's what I would do. I'd be like, Hey, if you want to work on double unders, here's what you're going to do. Don't, you know, for this round, this round, this round, don't do more than X amount of time. And, you know, make, give them a little bit of leniency there since they're not going to be jumping for the entire minute. It's not necessarily the same as someone who can rock out 48 double unders and broken, but I do love that. I'd, I'd say that's probably one of, one of the better scaling options as well. Um, I didn't see many scaling options in the row other than to reduce calories. I didn't scale the row at all. Obviously, I went really hard in the row for whatever that's yeah. worth and it sucked. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the hard part of the work. I mean, that's the hard part of the workout. It's you know, virtually everyone will be able to row. I know there are people that can't row, but for the most part, that's not a, a movement you see scaled often. 
And right. it's one, and for this workout, it's one you should be able to go moderately hard. I will warn people if you end up doing this workout, however, uh, there's um, a fine line between going too, like I went too hard, if I'm being honest, <laughs> and I kind of blew my lungs up for round four. Trap. Well, it isn't but, a yeah. trap. Like I knew it was there. Like the thing about a, you know, a 15 calorie row, the difference between a really hard 15 calorie row and a moderately hard 15 calorie row is really about five seconds, but yeah. it's, it's enough that it jacks your heart rate up. I looked at it and said, all right, it was only four rounds and I'll, I'll intentionally suffer in the round of 48 and see how it feels. Like I was kind of testing to see what it feel like. So I rode really hard, Yeah. but when I do it again, and now I have to do it again, I will slow that row down a little bit because the turnover on the, on the dumbbell snatches was too slow for me. And they cost oh. me a lot of time. So I can pick up time in the volume of the dumbbell snatches when you're saying at 6, 12, 24, 48 which is a lot more movement than 60 calories worth of rowing over four yep. rounds. Yep. Um, I would also say a big one for the row is a lot of people overlook their transitions, getting in and out of the rower, starting it up, stopping it. Like people waste a lot. There's a lot of dead time there. People getting in and out of the straps and, and yanking on the, yanking on the foot tensioner and, you know, just playing around with it. And then it's like, boom, 15 seconds is already leaked off the clock. Yeah, I didn't do that. So what I do on the rowers, I I lock one. I don't even lock the foot in. I set the the strap where I can slide my foot under it, but it's just tight enough to hold me in, and I don't lock in the second foot at all. That is, that's the pro the pro move. And when I get on, as I'm locking that foot in, I'm already pulling with my right arm, so I can oh. then move my left arm in. And so by the time I've got both feet on, now I have both hands on the on the rope, and I can or the chain, and I can, uh, you know, I'm already pulling. Yeah. And so, so correct me if I'm wrong, just for the, all the, the folks at home uh, and in their cars or wherever you're listening to this amazing podcast, basically you're setting, you're setting both straps to where they're just a little bit loose, then fully tightened on your feet. And it's loose enough where you can slide them in without having to even touch them or, or mess around. Well, I strap. slide in the right foot. So yeah, I have them both set that way, but I slide right. in the right foot. I don't slide in the second foot at all. I just put it on the. Oh, you put it over top of the strap? Put it on top of the strap. I don't need it locked in because I'm mostly you know, like the the power. As long as I have one foot locked in, I feel like I, for me, I feel like I have enough power to do it anyway. I mean, I was doing those 15 calorie rows in 40 seconds. So it wasn't costing me any time to do that because I, what I feel I can do by doing that is I'm saving that extra five seconds that it takes me to get fully strapped in and to pull the mm -hmm. straps and all of that. I'm already moving. So I'm two calories ahead of you before you ever get on. Right? Yeah. What I, what I've normally done is a version of that, but both basically both straps end up over my toe box, but I have the straps strategically set a little bit looser than fully tight so that I can slide in and slide out without having to ever like tighten them anymore. Yeah. I try to get them both in, but truthfully, it's like, I, I tried in practice, like I was warming up and I tried to do it and I just couldn't quite get the, the rhythm of it down. So I'm like, forget it. I'm just doing one right. foot. I know I can do that. I can already be moving. I'll see what happens. It didn't seem to slow me down any, but yeah, you know, I, I also think if you're scaling this, you've got to think about for me, just pick a number and stick with it. So I picked a high number and said, all right, I'm going to set my, my wattage or my, you know, calories per hour. I think is what it yep. actually reads yep. um, between 1300 and 1400. That was my target. And I knew if I stayed there, I could consistently row 40 to 45 seconds on these 15 cows. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, so I think that's where your scale comes for the row is you just you need to pick a target that, you know, you can hold for four rounds and you won't slow down in round four because that's where it gets hard. It gets real hard in round four. Yeah. So, you know, I you know, think you just had to figure out like what's your max threshold for me. That max threshold is I think my max is probably closer to 16 to 1700. So I pulled it down to 13 to 1400. If you, once you figure out your max, you know, I, for me, I scaled it, you know, tell most people scale it down two to 300 off of wherever your max threshold is and see how it feels. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a self-scaling movement. Like you can come out of the gates super hot and it's all it's going to do is force you to slow down later. So it kind of takes care of itself there. Well, and it's an interesting dynamic because you've got, you know, your 15 singles, 15 calorie row, six hang dumbbell snatches, and then you're immediately back into singles and double under or singles and rowing. So your, uh -huh. your first two rows are virtually back to back. 
Mm-hmm. And so by the time you end round three, once you finish the 12 dumbbells on the next one, once you really hit round three, your heart rate is moving. Pretty yeah. Good. Cause yeah. Cause you're getting back to that row pretty quickly. Yeah. So I'm like the bulk of the workout happens on the back half, which I think is always the hard part is more mentally harder on those last two rounds of uh, dumbbell snatches than anything. Yeah. Else. So for everyone listening, just in case they didn't follow this, basically everything stays the same, except you're increasing the amount of alternating hang dumbbell snatches. Yeah. Um, and by the time you get to the end, what's the last round? The last round is 48. Is that 48? Yeah. yeah. That one is like, basically it's like at first the hang snatches seem like absolutely nothing, completely insignificant. And then by the time you get to the end, they they've, they've caused fatigue. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, they weren't that bad, um, but I wasn't doing them as a hang, so I don't know if that helped or hurt. I guess I'll find out. You know, it's I always find the the scale on this interesting um, because I mean, you guys use this the kind of the standard scale, which is to go from fifty thirty five down to thirty five twenty five, and I've never felt like the discount from thirty five to twenty five for women was much of a scale compared to the men. Like a difference for me from fifty to thirty five feels significant. It doesn't feel significant from 35 to 25, but I'm not a woman. So yeah, I mean, it's percentage wise, it's still a pretty big scale. Yeah. I guess, you know, the only thing I would tell people to think about on, you know, scaling, scaling this besides the weight is the movement. So if you were going to scale the movement from a hang, what would you lean toward a clean and jerk or what would you think? Um, no, nah, cause clean and jerk. We're still like, I don't think it would be any better necessarily I, I guess a hang clean and jerk is a way to scale it down totally um i think where people might like if you needed to scale this one i think i would just go with a load like assuming you have the ability to hinge and put your arm overhead the the main limiting factor there is how heavy is it so i think for the alternating hang dumbbell snatches load is going to be Load and obviously volume, like the amount of reps. So you can scale, scale back the amount of reps if you wanted to. Um, I think for this one, the most obvious one is like, hey, if it's too hard for you, let's take that weight down. I mean, heck, we're going for like, if I was teaching a, a 73-year-old who <laughs> stepped in the gym, you know, on the very first day, it's like I'd have him with a five-pound dumbbell or something like that doing this, doing this workout. And if you really, really need to scale it, and they didn't have the coordination maybe to switch from one hand to the next. You could just literally have them set it down on a box or a chair, like right in front of them. So you're not even like dealing with the, 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 um, the tension at the bottom, you know, or trying to switch hands and do all that stuff. You could literally set it on a box, grab it with the other hand, go overhead, set it on a box, grab it with the other hand, go overhead. That would be like the super, super scaled down version. Yeah. The only other thing I think you, you could do, but you're, you know, it's a different implement is maybe switch to kettlebell swings. Um, if you have a problem sure. with a single arm movement, I think some people have, you know, kind of a singular shoulder issue, but they can still do kettlebell swings. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with you though. Just I not go prefer, overhead with it. Yeah. I prefer to see people reduce load, you know, reduce the load itself, because I think if you have a singular shoulder issue, you need to be working on, getting in that right position to get like often that happens because when they do go overhead with a single arm, they get way out to the side and they're hurting that shoulder. And so I would rather see them lower the load and get better at going more up and down that make yeah. it, I'm wording that correctly. No. Yeah. I mean, it makes, I mean, I, and obviously we had CJ on the podcast, like generally speaking, we don't want, if you have an issue, quote unquote, now I know that's a very broad term, just simply avoiding the movement altogether is oftentimes not how we're going to solve the issue. Um, you know, beating it with a hammer <laughs> in a, in a high fa- in a high paced Metcon maybe also isn't what I want you to do. But in this workout, if you need to scale down because your shoulders bugging you, then just scaling the weight down. is a great way. Well, I liked it. Uh, my time was 1048 for whatever that's worth. And now you told that me to keep that a secret. Well, that's because I was having people guess my time yesterday, but it's no longer a secret. Now I got to redo it. And it should be Asterisk. with hangs. It's sub 10. No yeah. doubt. In my mind is sub 10. Like For I was, sure. uh, I got, 
I got kind of into that eight minute mark and I'm like, all right, I can, I have a shot at sub 10. If I really push here on the, uh, on the dumbbell snatches and the round of 24 is too slow. And I, you know, like my mind's kind of always working. Thanks ADD. And it's, uh-huh. as I'm doing the snatches, I'm like, these are, I knew they were too slow, but I couldn't really speed them up. The only way to speed them up is to pull the dumbbell down. And what I didn't want to do was all of a sudden, you know, start releasing my shoulders and I'm bent over and I didn't want to throw my back out, like just have horrible form. So I was moving at the pace I needed to move to do proper dumbbell snatches, but hangs are much different, much different things. So I'll give it another shot maybe later today. I just hate that because I coughed all night last night because I went so hard. I'm going to cough again. I'm not used to going to that red line. Shoot. I know. All right. Let's take a couple. Let this be a lesson. Make sure that you read the workout before attempting. I did read the workout. I just missed the word hang. Like it yeah. just, you know, that happens. You it know? does happen. I've done it before and it's very And annoying. to be fair, Ben, I don't like, I have a coach. Like I'm normally in a gym where a coach is saying, here's what we're doing. Like, it's not like, I'm not one of your at-home athletes that normally read your wide prep stuff. You right. You you just are a skimmer. Well, I'm not a skimmer. I just, you know, I. Hey, you know what? You're going to hit it. the workout and you're going to be able to crush it because now you know the stimulus. I mean, it's. A lot of people ask us like, Hey, should I redo a workout? And I normally say, no, you shouldn't because it doesn't matter. But what's really cool about redoing workouts. If let's just, let's say you, you have to, in this case, um, if, if that's important to you is it's amazing how much you'll learn the second go around. Like the first time you do a workout, very, very rarely have I ever redone a workout and gotten a worse score. Cause you just, you know, the stimulus, you know, when to push, you know, when it sucks. Um, so I think you're going to crush it. Well, uh, for the record, I'm only going to redo it if I have to, I mean, cause I I'm limited on time because of yeah. road. So I'll, um, I'll do it when I get back in town. If I can, if I can't, I'll post that as my score. Um, I'm with you. I don't redo workouts normally. Yeah. I don't like to redo them. And I don't think, I think 1048 was my absolute best effort. I think I could go, go, go back in and do it with, the normal dumbbell snatches and there's no chance I'd beat that 1048. No okay. chance. The um, uh I guess actually like I don't know technically the way the rules written. Technically I think that still counts because like you just added range of motion. Yeah, well it right? would definitely count because I made it harder. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it, you added range of motion. So I don't think, you know, I I, I know some people. Uh, I'll make sure that they validate your score, you know? Look, I think you could still count it. Uh, I mean, there's no difference between doing a full dumbbell snatch and a hang other than I added range of motion. So it technically yeah, it's still, it's still a hang. I just happen to have a much longer hang than you. Yeah. It's a very long hang. Also, <laughs> that's what she said. Okay. So let's, uh, let's jump into a, I have a couple of questions from fans here or from people listening to the show. The first one was really funny. So I get this, I get this DM from a guy who says, Hey, I work out at CrossFit Tupelo and I was three episodes in before I put together that old Roy was your dad. This guy works no out with my dad. He had no idea. That's um, awesome. So he's a great guy. Works out with him. Talks about my dad a little. Uh, then he says he started a year and a half ago. He's down 65 pounds. Feels so much better. His biggest issue is front rack mobility. And I feel like I'm never going to get there, even though I stretch and try to sit with the bar on my shoulders. Can't do it without pain. Just wondering how long it might take and if it's ever going to come. Mm. I hear that a lot. Front rack mobility seems to be a very common problem. Um amongst CrossFitters. So I'm really interested in your perspective. I definitely have one on this one. Mm. I know it's broad. Yeah, it's broad, but so I can speak from experience, both coaching it and then needing to increase my front rack mobility as well. When I started CrossFit, it was, it was terrible. Just like a lot of my other ranges of motion. And I mean, he, he really did. He said what I normally tell people to do, which is not stretch, but, but hold the barbell in the front rack position and load it. Um, but it just, in, just in case no one else does that, or maybe he's doing it a little bit differently, like doing what I call a rack hold is really cool. So basically you load up the barbell as if you're doing a front squat, you know, put it on a squat rack, put a decent amount of weight. It doesn't have to actually be heavy, but just like some sort of weight, some sort of load other than just the bar. And then get underneath of it, get your hands in the right position, stand up with it. And then just like, just hang out in that front rack position. 
and then try to manipulate your elbows so you're getting them pointed in the right direction. I always like to say if there's a laser beam coming out of your elbow, you're trying to not shoot yourself in the foot. Shoot other people. Shoot the people standing in front of you with your laser beams. Why, did you say, why do you say laser beams like you're Dr. Evil? Laser beams. Uh, because that's the way I say it. My elbows have freaking lasers on them. Yeah. So don't <laughs> shoot yourself in the foot. Um, and I love rack holds. Just like you're, you're basically, you're loading the range of motion. And then a lot of times it's like, it's almost like weighted stretching is what it'll feel like. Um, and then doing kind of like in and outs or, or I think that's what I call them. It's like basically I'm driving one elbow up while the other stays stationary and then I'll switch and drive the other one up all while it's loaded in that front rack position. That's a really good one. And then for me, it was, it was, yeah, doing more front squats, doing rack carries, rack holds, more front squats. Um, another thing that you could do is one of my favorite drills to increase that front rack mobility is to actually put, take it, an empty barbell, put it behind your head, and then do that same exact drill where I'm trying to drive my elbows up as high as I can, either two at a time or one at a time. And what, it, what that does is by taking the barbell from the frontal plane to basically your posterior, taking it behind your head, it just gives you a little bit more of that weighted stretch that, that will help you create a better front rack position. So it's hard to describe when we're not on video, but those are the two things that I like to do. And ultimately, like, I don't know how long you've been practicing. Um, I don't know how long they've been working on this, but it should come. Um, there's no like magic pill. There's no specific smashing or anything like that, that will magically increase the range of motion. Literally just that weighted range of motion, that weighted stretching does tend to be one of the only things that works in the long run. Yeah, the things I would add, um, they have really good coaches there. Dex Hopkins is there, by the way. Oh, He's one of the athletes. I know Dex. There. I met Dex. Yeah, Dex. I'm trying to convince him to move to Denver. Yeah, and uh, so Tracy, who runs Dex, Denver, Dex, coach. Dex, move to Denver. Your uh-huh. wife wants to do it. Come well, move. Well, so Josh Sullivan, who asked the question, here's what I would yeah. tell Josh to do. Um, I'd do a couple of things. Number one, I'd get with my coach and make sure first and foremost that the barbell is in the right position. Cause that often I think that's an issue for people where they, they think it's a mobility problem and in reality oh, yes. there's holding it's the barbell too, too far low. forward. Yeah, yeah. On their shoulders. Yep. For sure. So that's part of it. Uh, sometimes I see it's where they're gripping. They've got that bar gripped in a death grip when it should be back on your fingers, you know, hundred yep, percent. Um, and which also help you get your elbows up. So that would be at the, the two things I would, if assuming those things are right, the two to three things I would tell him to do would be, um, start yoga that helps <laughs> like helps. It certainly helps loosen your shoulders and just quit you know, CrossFit, start doing yoga every day. Well, I mean, start doing it some, I don't quit CrossFit, but like, you know, start doing some things to get your shoulders and, and, you know, your arms looser, um, video, your lifts. So that's my, would be my kind of my top suggestion. I had a, a PT I was going to still a good friend of mine. Uh, and that was the one thing he taught me. Like, I, I felt like I was great at back squats. He's like, your back squats all screwed up. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how can it be screwed up? And, and so he showed me the proper way to back squat. And then he made me start videoing it. And when I started watching the videos, I'm like, holy crap, he's right. Like, I look like yeah. an idiot. Like, what am I doing? And I would say it's the same thing here. It's like, you want to, it, it may feel right. And then you go back and look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that was totally wrong. And so yeah. video your lifts. Um, and then I think people often don't look at this as a skills practice, which it also is. So work on it on yeah. your off days. Absolutely. You know? It's it's just as much of a skill, even though it's maybe less coordination than some of the skills that we do. Um, there There is a very, very large benefit to practicing as it's a, as if it's a skill. Um, Cause like you said, like just simply moving the barbell from slightly front of your collarbone to on top of your collarbone, like that one inch difference makes a huge difference in the range of motion of your elbows on that front rack. It makes a monster difference. And it, you know, and I, you know, do this around people by the way, because as you push that barbell back, you're going to be <laughs> pushing back on arteries and we don't want you to pass, pass out and, you know, fall under the barbell. Cause I've seen that happen too, where you get the barbell too far back 
it's where I get all these fail videos people send to me doing front squats and heavy cleans because they get that barbell too far back and they choke themselves out. Um, yeah. Which, which also, is, uh, yeah, just make sure you stand on your feet. Don't lean back. Like I think a lot of times with that, right. like I've seen those videos where they like people will catch it and they just like lean back because they're like afraid of the bar choking them. So what they do like naturally is just like, well, I'm just going to lean back to get out of the way of the barbell. And then the barbell ends up behind their feet somehow in some strange way. And then they're going down. It just no, stand up like a normal human being and, yeah. and let the bar, like it should rest on top of your shoulders. The, the, the weight of the bar. And I know not everyone's watching it, but in a good front rack position with your hands on the bar, the weight should still be primarily supported by the top of your shoulders. Okay. So that means at any point when you're in that front rack position, I should be able to say, hey, let the bar rest in your shoulders and take your hands off. And that's what's called a Frankenstein clean or Frankenstein squat or something like that, whichever one you're doing. But you should always be able to take your hands off the bar and put them out in front of you. Um, And that is a good sign to know that you're supporting the barbell properly. If you're getting a ton of wrist pain, ton of elbow pain, that means the predominant load of that barbell is probably on your wrist. It's probably on your hands and that's putting a lot of pressure, you know, in, in the wrist, in the elbows. So make sure that bar is actually resting on your shoulders. They can support a lot more weight than your wrist. Yeah. The only other thing I would, um, it's probably doesn't have anything to do with this pain, but it might, if it's hurting, one thing I do to keep my elbows up is I'm really conscious of where my gaze is like where I'm looking because if I'm looking down, my elbows follow my eyes every Absolutely. time. And yeah. so I, I try to actually look forward and slightly up. So I'm thinking about my elbows coming up, you know, yep. um, that's just a personal thing. I don't know if that's yep. good coaching cue or not. No, no, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the clock the whole time. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just, I like to say it's like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Like it's yes. Forward is great, but I actually like, when I'm like doing a really heavy front squat, you'll see me. I like almost look up, not up to the ceiling, but up at like a 45 degree angle, just because it just, it helps keep that chest proud and, and helps you from dumping forward. All right. Last uh, question. This one's interesting. It's a mindset question it came from Bonnie Jean and Bonnie says she's got a mindset philosophical question. Does doing CrossFit make you automatically an athlete? Or does being able to compete in comps or elite levels make you an athlete? So I think the kind of the thought here is like you have a well-meaning coach that comes in and calls everyone an athlete and you may not feel like an athlete yet. So what Um, makes an athlete an athlete, Ben? I'm looking up the definition of an athlete. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. Like, I'm just thinking, like, I think it's a valid question. Like, you know, when do you consider yourself an athlete? You know, is it, are you considered an athlete when you're training? I looked up the definition, by the way. And all right. So there's two definitions that I'm saying. A person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. Okay. Um, And then we also have an athlete is a person who competes in one or more sports that involves a physical strength, speed, or endurance. So. (laughs) <laughs> the use of the term in several sports, such as golf or auto racing, becomes a controversial issue. <laughs> I disagree with that. With Wikipedia, a, a golf, a golfer, an auto racer, especially they are athletes. This man, that's hard. Um, oof, man, that's a whole can of worms. I personally, I call everyone because I was taught by Christmas Abbott. Way back when, like what, 10 years ago when I learned how to, when I started CrossFit coaching now at this point, she just called everyone athletes. That's because whether you are or are not a good athlete or whether you do or don't define yourself as an athlete, pursuing fitness through CrossFit is an athletic endeavor and I like it like when you when you take on, especially when you first start, if you're like willing to be like, hey, I'm an athlete. Am I a good athlete? Maybe not. Am I an athlete that beats other people? Nope. But I'm competing with myself in physical exercise, in, in a sport that in, where endurance and physical strength are important. Um, 
So I'm okay with it. I'm probably not okay with them going to their Instagram profile and saying, you know, mother, entrepreneur, athlete, <laughs> you know, like, right. It's like, I feel like the defining is, is almost arbitrary. I am okay with coaches calling everyone in their gym athletes. That's what I used to do. Uh, CrossFit invoke back in the day, the, the, the phrase was invoke your inner athlete. Like that's what we're trying to do is like, even if we're not athletes, we're trying to pull that, that person, that being out of us. So I know that's like philosophical, but yeah, I, I think it's okay to call people athletes. If you want to like, what do you want to, what do you want to be called a client? Right. Well, that, that's ugly. I don't like that. Well, and I don't disagree with you. I think, you know, calling everyone athletes is fine. I think it highlights a bigger problem. And she didn't say this in the question, but for me, the bigger issue is you're, you're not catering to your clientele. Like our gyms have a lot of different mindsets. And often, like I went to a gym once where the guy that owned it or was running it, his mindset was he's training everyone to compete. And if you don't want that mindset, he did not want to coach you get out. Right. Subsequently, he didn't have a lot of members. And I don't, I don't know how most affiliate owners feel, but I think you're in this to actually pay your bills and earn some money, but I could well, be and wrong. we're there to impact the world. Like that's well, not you're, you're there to do that too. But you know, if you go out of business, who are you impacting? So I think you have to put some thought into what this looks like. And for me, it highlights the bigger problem that most gyms should have different tracks for, for the people that are working out there. Meaning you need to have some clearly defined lines and what your workouts look like. It's been a big complaint for me for some time that most gyms would just simply say, here's the RX, figure it out. And I'd really love to see gyms over time start evolving to having different tracks for every workout, you know, like this, the wide prep open, you know, to go back to it, like you have three levels for that. You have RX scaled and light. Mm -hmm. And that's a very good example of how you can say you're all athletes, but you're a light athlete. You're a scaled athlete. You're an RX athlete. Right. And it doesn't mean the gym has to define it that way. But I do think that, you know, gym owners should be thinking about the mindset of the athletes coming in and the people that are paying, helping them pay their bills and what's going to be appropriate for them. Because there are people that do this that eventually will get frustrated and go, well, I'm never going to reach this elite, quote unquote, athlete status. So why do I continue to go? And now you've yeah. lost someone who could have been a productive member of your community, you know, yeah. or minimum, you're just frustrating them when you don't need to, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's all. I just think um, I'd I, like I think, to see more gems thinking about that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, I, with the wording of the question, it's like, I don't know if that's what she was asking. And if she was, then that's the right answer. Um, but even if like, if she's asking like, well, yeah, here's the remainder of her question was when you're starting out from a significantly physically disadvantaged scaled space, and then you have a well-meaning coach or fellow member calls you an athlete, it feels patronizing. And she's right. And that's my point is that, oh. is that you know, m- most people, most people start CrossFit at a disadvantage. Like I, like if you and I were in a workout together, zero chance I'm doing the workout you're doing. Now I've been doing this 10 years, so I'm not intimidated by you and I'm going to scale whatever you're doing. But if I were new and I saw you and I thought you were the standard, I'd be freaked the hell out. Yeah, I guess. So that I'm glad that you mentioned that. So that's really interesting. So like as a coach and as a gym owner, like I, I call everyone athletes because one, it's easier than hi athlete and hi gym attendee and high client, sure. you know, it's just like it, it, one word is better than all. And I like the word athlete because like, that's what we're doing. We're, we're get, we're, we're competing against ourselves, uh, whether it's anyone else doesn't matter. It's like, we're competing against ourselves. We're trying to become better physically, mentally, like we're doing athletic things, even if we're not good at them, it's a pursuit of athleticism in, in some way, shape or form. So therefore when you step out on that floor in the gym, like you are an athlete, whether you're a good one or not, doesn't really matter. Sure. But the fact that like, if it feels patronizing to you, then just talk to the person who's calling you an athlete. Like just be like, Hey, I know it's weird, but when I'm called an athlete, it makes me insecure or Hey, when I'm called an athlete, it does, like, is there any way that you could call me something else? Um, if it truly does bother you, because part of me wants to be like, Suck it up. 
They have one word and they just happen to call people well, athletes. But I don't if think I wanted that's to call point. everyone in my gym comrade, right? Does that make me communist? Maybe, but like, but uh, comrades, let's get together and do this work. Like, if would that annoy you? I think it, it could it could just be that your coach doesn't know what to call people. So they're just like, oh, we're all athletes. But if if you really do think that it's like patronizing too, and you're like, hey, like I'm not an athlete, I'm just here to get a little bit more fit, like chill, dude. Talk to them. Just have a conversation. I like I, I as a coach and running a gym for several years, I never would have even thought that that would be demeaning because as coaches, like being called an athlete or, or you know actually playing sports, real sports, is something that we did. So I've never ever even thought about that. So just simply planting that seed in my head, I'd be like, Sally, I don't, I forget what her name was, but what do you want to be called? You know, and I'll try to remember that. Um, do you just want to be called Sally? That's fine too. But your coach might not have any, any clue. And I assure you, they are not trying to patronize or demean you when they call you that. Well, I don't think they are either. I don't, I'm not sure that was the point. I guess I'm, my point to it is I just want gym owners to start looking up and realizing that the landscape of CrossFit is changing. And those who have been doing this for 10 years need to change with it. Like CrossFit itself, if you just look at the last CrossFit Open, there were now four divisions, not two. And I think CrossFit starting to recognize that there are more people my age than your age and more yeah. people coming in at my age than coming in at your age. Yeah. And that's Why do you think the, we started Wad Prep Masters, man? Well, but right. this, this is the point. And it's like, and it's okay to call them all athletes, but I think if gyms don't start recognizing that you will have people that are being called athlete that it does feel patronizing to sure. because the only athlete they see are people like you. Yeah. That's it. And, and that can be really intimidating. And I'll be honest, like when I started, um, you know, I was training with games athletes and at the time I didn't know any better because the, you know, the games weren't really a huge thing, but it was, mm -hmm. you know, Panchek and Julie Fouché and our owner was a games athlete. Like I just thought that was normal and it, but it was yeah. intimidating as hell. I'm just really stubborn. Yeah. You know, I just wasn't willing to quit. And I, and I think that there are a lot of people now that, you know, you have so many options, <laughs> You will, you're, you, you know, you could be driven to, and yeah. you know, we didn't have all those options back in my day. So back in my day. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I just like to see gym owners maybe, you know, be a little more thoughtful of, you know, maybe the, the different uh, dynamics in their gym and making sure that their programming is addressing those things. Cause I think we're finding more and more and more that the mental headspace is just as important as the physical space. Yeah. Um, it certainly impacts, you know, so, you know, we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it more in this podcast, how stress and anxiety really can impact a workout. And that's kind of my fear here is that you've got somebody that's, you know, having undue stress and it's going to impact them long-term up and yeah. you know, driving them off if we're not careful. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, it's something that coaches and owners need to be more empathetic of. It's like where, what, what's the mental landscape of the, the, people coming to their gym and yeah, that, I'm very excited. I know that's on our agenda at some point soon is to start talking about like the anxiety that comes with both life and fitness. Like the, like the mental landscape of yeah. CrossFit is something that I'm very excited to talk about. Well, and, and, you know, for those that don't want that type of environment, there's a ton of programming for that comp train hard work pays off like you can you know you can get the list goes on and on and on where you can do competitive programming and there are plenty of gyms that program competitive programming that aren't going to cater this and that's fine too if you want to make that your gym do it you know i i glassman himself said to me once that the gyms that cater to competitive programming won't be in business 10 years from now yeah. He, he firmly believed that. And that was the one thing that I firmly agreed with him on is that, you know, if you're in that niche, you better be in a niche where there's a lot of people in that age bracket. And I don't think that's the growing group for CrossFit. Yeah. But. Yep. I'm, I'm all about the, again, I think where CrossFit changes lives. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible feat of brilliant strength and ability. It's unbelievable. The kinds of people that are being built by CrossFit. Yeah. However, um, where I really see the, the, the incredible spectacular nature of CrossFit is the lives that it changes from sedentary to active. Like that's where the magic is. And that's what I love. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, this has been fun and we're going to see each other in a couple of days. We're going to do some workouts together, get some photos taken officially. 
And, I'm gonna get uh, my hair cut by someone who knows how to how cut my hair. <laughs> if you wait, I'll do it for you. I'll do it. I do not want mine to look like yours. Come on, um, look how pretty this is. You're not taking a bick to my head. All right. Well, you're missing out, dude. I got skills. I have skills. What if, we, what if we did go in there like, like literally? I'm gonna have like the same glasses too, and we're just like twins, twinsies. Maybe we do that. <laughs> I think maybe that's good. what I'll be for Halloween. I need to find a Halloween costume. Hit me up if you're in Austin, everybody listening. Um, I am here because we're releasing this podcast the day of recording, uh, which is sometimes rare. And yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked to see you and see people at the Rogue Invitational at the You Can booth at some point and at various gyms around Austin. It's going to be super fun. All right. Well, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us. Feel free to send in your workouts and your questions for us to ask on the air. We're happy to talk about them. And if you're going to be in Rogue, look us up. And Do you still have time to join the Wad Prep October Open. Yep. You, you, kind of, time is ticking, though. So join, join today if you're listening to this and you want to have a little fun competing online. Um, and the link will be linked somewhere. And read the, and read the workouts. So you get and the read the freaking workouts. Read the workouts. All right, for everyone listening, appreciate you guys joining, and we will chat with you next week. Peace.